GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. On Wednesdays, we go into one topic in depth, and today it was public finances. Roy Clinton joined me in the Radio Gibraltar studios. He's the GSD's shadow minister with responsibility for finance and value for money. As Barclaycard confirmed it'll stop offering accounts to those who don't live in the UK, Mr Clinton told Gibraltar today it leaves a gap in the market with a lack of alternative providers for credit cards. But he said it'll be difficult to attract new banking players to Gibraltar. And he took questions from listeners on government borrowing, the new stadium project and more, including not making pie-in-the-sky promises at the forthcoming general election. Well, it goes to the heart of public finance, and Value for Money actually has its own official definition, and it's called the three E's. It's economy, effectiveness, and efficiency. If you don't have one of those E's in that equation, then something's going wrong. So if you're not buying stuff at the right price, if you're not achieving the right outcome, and it's not being delivered correctly, then there's something wrong in the delivery of uh, a project or a service. And that's why value for money is critical when it comes to how you spend the public pound. And how do you think Gibraltar is doing when it comes to achieving value for money in the public service? Well, ideally, we would have reports on that, and I know the principal auditor does do value for money audits. Uh, But as you're aware, we are six years behind on reports, so I can't really comment on where the public service stands at the moment. Yeah, well, we've had actually um, a a few uh, messages come in on WhatsApp already. Um, And we've got one from Kate who is asking about your uh, recent uh, letter published in the Gibraltar Chronicle uh, about um, the picture that we may have being old or cold. What do you mean by that? Well, exactly that. Um, The last report was for the financial year 2015-16. And so... Anything the principal auditor may have highlighted um, in respect to the financial years 2015-16 is, is now six, more than six years down the line. So if there was anything that needed addressing uh, with urgency or anything that could be done better, um, we've lost six years to address that. And that's what I mean by old or cold. So for somebody who's listening to this and, um, you know, spell it out for us, for somebody who's, who doesn't quite know what the role of the principal auditor is, what is it and why is their work important? Well, the principal auditor is actually a, a, an officer of parliament uh, and their role is critical because what they do is they, they take the, the accounts of the government uh, and audit them and they then produce a report that talks about how that money has been spent and how well it has been spent and if there are any areas uh, for improvement. For example, in the past, the principal auditors has raised issues about arrears on rent, for example. Yeah? Uh, there are other areas where you look at value for money and contracts. But since we haven't had any recent reports, it's very hard to know uh, how things are. So you, you've actually said that it's uh, an unacceptable lack of accountability um, that the GSLP government ha- has allowed itself to, if you like, get away with? Well, it's, it's, it's just not good governance. If it was something in the private sector, uh, you wouldn't allow a, a public vehicle to go six years without producing its audit report. And effectively, the public in Gibraltar are the shareholders of the government, and they are entitled 
to know how well the government has been spending their money. And that's what it's all about. And it's also an important check on any government, not just this government, any government, that these reports are produced on a timely basis. Because the same way I can read them, the general public can read them too. They, they, they become public documents. So it means everybody on the street can read them. And I think that that's what's missing at the moment. But also, I suppose, as you were referring to earlier, if something is not working as well as it could, really you'd want to know so that you can fix it and maybe uh, release some money that has been spent inefficiently in order to be able to spend it on something else. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and this goes pretty much to the heart of the matter since I entered politics uh, back in 2015 when I started uh, advocating for the creation of Public Accounts Committee. Now, the, the Public Accounts Committee in the UK, what they do is they take the audit reports produced by the National Audit Office and then follow them up. So if there are any findings in there, what they would then do is, right, we'll have a meeting and we'll look at this particular area, what went wrong, how, how can we improve? And it's not a witch hunt. It's not about naming and blaming. It's about saying, well, look, that didn't go too well. How can we avoid problems in the future? We've had Rebecca reach out to us, Mr. Clinton, and she asks, why are governments loaning or, or financing effectively a shopping mall, a hotel, luxury flats, disguised as a new stadium? Well, that's an excellent question, and I think Rebecca may have already heard the answer uh, the leader of opposition gave in your program recently, and that is that uh, we don't believe that uh, the government should be financing this, and certainly we would not commit uh, savers' money towards financing it. What is very strange about this 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 project is that um, we have been told it's fantastic and it's a no-brainer, but and yet no one has yet produced any financial projections as to its viability or profitability, um, and I think that is uh, fundamental anything like this, regardless as to whether it's worthy of government support or not. So if that exercise were to be done, and the professional opinions um, are that it makes good sense and it would be, um, you know, a good investment and likely to yield a profit, would the GSD reconsider its position? Well, no, because the, the way it's been financed at the moment is using money in the savings bank. And my position, the party's position, always been that that's disguised borrowing. So effectively, I don't think the government should be involved in the financing of this. If it's such a fantastic project, get an external bank to finance it. But but then the pro if there is profit to be made, and, and, and you know, I, I'm sure that there is there are ways of obtaining independent advice which you as a potential investor uh, would consider to be sound advice... If that sound advice was that there's a profit to be made on this project, wh why shouldn't it go to the savings bank? Well, because, the, the, as I said before, the savings bank is not there to fund government projects. I know Sir Joe Bassano has changed the scope of the objects of the savings bank to uh, support economic projects in Gibraltar. You've said it's effectively a development bank. I have indeed, because that's what Sir Joe Bassano did to it. I'm not saying that it should be a development bank. I'm saying, yes, it has turned into a development bank. Uh, but you just have to look at the way this, this financing, alleged financing, is structured. It's being put through uh, uh, community supplies and services, which is owned by a registered charity, which is outside the control of government. This is not the way to be running public finances. We've got a question that's come in from John on the um, point that you made a few minutes ago about the government not auditing um, accounts 
um, or, or not sorry, not um, been six years behind no, on, on the um, on the auditor's uh, report. And, and, and I think the question from John is, is the government breaking the, no- the law by not publishing these for the last six years? Well, the government can, has effectively sat on his hands, and the principal auditor can, I, I guess, blame Parliament for not passing supplementary appropriation bills for three years. Uh, supplementary appropriation is basically any overspends in any year which would require approval of Parliament. And then, then, at that point, the principal auditor could technically close off that financial year. But the government has, for three years, uh, ha- published the bills, but not actually debated them or taken them in Parliament, which has meant, effectively, for those three years, the principal auditor hasn't been able to finish his work. So it's not that the government haven't published it, it's just the principal auditor hasn't signed off yet, as far as I'm aware, on the accounts because of the backlog in work. Okay, we've been talking about the uh, cost of living going up. If you've just joined us, this is what um, the public had to say about the cost of living crisis. Well, I've got to be a lot more careful now. When I'm shopping, I look at the price of everything before I buy it. I work in finance, I work at a bank, so obviously it's affected us quite a bit. People's mortgage costs are going up, people's loans costs are going up. The bad news for us, good good news for lenders. I suppose the inevitable uh, truth is that we are all feeling poorer, Mr Clinton. Well, I, I, I can only agree with that. I mean, I, I felt the, the, the pinch myself when you go to, to Morrison's and find that a pint of milk has gone up by 20% in, in a couple of months. It, it is quite remarkable. Uh, the only consolation, I think, from the last projections I read from the IMF is that they're, they're expecting inflation to have peaked at some point in, the, in these three months, and bear in mind there's always a lag uh, between the date and getting the statistics, and that uh, given all the, the work the central banks are putting in and raising interest rates, that uh, the expectation is that inflation should start easing off. Two questions, if I can. Um, first one uh, on what you've just said. Mike has asked, why does it take Gibraltar so long to produce Uh, those statistics. So we've just found out that the rate of inflation as of the 1st of January was 7.9%. But why is it taking so long? I couldn't tell you what the actual mechanics is, but they're produced on a quarterly basis based on a basket of goods. And I imagine there's a process whereby literally people have to go out with a clipboard and take down notes of all these goods. It is a a fairly involved process, I would imagine. And is a basket, a weighted basket of goods uh, that's involved. As to how, whether it could be produced monthly uh, or, or not, that, that is a question for the statistics office. Huh? Uh, Sandra is asking, uh, do you expect people's pensions to go up to reflect the cost of living increases? Well, if I re- recall correctly, um, in the last parliament, there was an inflationary increase in the old age pensions. OK, so you'd expect perhaps that this year in the budget that might again occur? Is that what you would want? I couldn't say with any certainty because, of course, I haven't seen the numbers. A question, Mr Clinton, from John. Does it think that government should uh, borrow to pay for public sector increases? Should the government borrow to pay for public sector increases? Well, I think the first thing to bear in mind is the government is running a recurrent uh, budget deficit which means that uh, it's paying out more uh, than it's receiving in revenue and having to cover that deficit by way of borrowing. 
So any increased expenditure, uh, whether uh, increasing services or increasing pay across the public sector, would increase that deficit. Now, the government at the moment has a facility which is £500 million, of which, as far as I'm aware, uh, £425 million has been drawn down by the on the UK guaranteed facility. So the government doesn't have much headroom in terms of extra borrowing. And I believe Sir Joe Bassano in Parliament uh, said that he wouldn't borrow to fund uh, public sector uh, pay increases. And if it was your decision, if the GSD was voted in at the next election? Well, it's a good question. Um, I think the honest answer would be, I need to see the books first. Because you don't think that the government portrays the uh, state of play accurately? Well, I've been saying that for the last um, uh, six or seven years, so I'm going to stick to that line and and that (laughs) I really do not see that I'm, I'm getting the full picture. Okay, um, but but I suppose the the, the counterpoint to that is that um, you you st- you leave yourself open to the accusation that you're sitting on the fence. Hardly. I mean, I can I can only be honest with the electorate and say, look, you know, uh, we have to see how much money we have in the, in the kitty, and uh, the the there are spending priorities. There's healthcare. There's education. There's all sorts of other things, which some people may argue have a higher priority uh, than others, and of course. What you need to do is look at how much there is and then work out your priority for spending. I think that's only fair. So is your sense that the GSLP Liberal government has borrowed too much? Well, I, I, I maintain they have borrowed too much. They've, they've done it through various mechanisms, off-balance sheet financing and direct borrowing. And I reckon the, the gross public debt to Gibraltar is, is at least £1.7 billion now. Uh, so that's going up? Well, it's going up, and um, as I said before, it's because we have a recurrent uh, budget deficit, uh, which means that the government is effectively borrowing money to pay, uh, for example, public sector salaries. Charlotta has been in touch, Mr Clinton. She says, um, do you know uh, if the private companies that the government has, and she thinks that uh, is the number 70 uh, about right are those private companies up to date on their accounts and why is there a need for so many private companies mm. very good question i can't confirm off the top of my head whether there's 70 entities i do know that over 40 corporate vehicles were set up by the government since they came in in 2011 and i can confirm that they are no, no, they're not up to date in, in terms of audits and filing of accounts. And in fact, there are some entities which you'd think would have been audited, for example, the Gibraltar National Mint, which, which issues coins, and that has never produced an audit or never had an audit that I'm aware of and never filed accounts. And like that, there, there are other companies. Now, the government is quite fond of pointing the finger at GSD government in the past, but they've had plenty of time to get the house in order. And some of these companies were, in fact, incorporated by them, not by, by the GSD government. Okay, we've got a question that's coming on WhatsApp from John. Uh, He says, um, is there any more space for Gibraltar's financial industries to expand? He he thinks that the banking sector has shrunk significantly in the last 10 years, uh, that gaming and insurance are stagnant. Um, Do you agree with his assessment and what options does Gibraltar have? Mm -hmm. Again, a very good question, and, and I, I can speak from my previous experience in banking, uh, only to say that if the banking sector in Jibba shrunk, 
it's not through any fault of our own. It's something that's happened across the world in similar jurisdictions. If you go to a place like Guernsey, you'll find that they lost a lot of banks too. The reason for it is uh, global retrenchment, conservational capital, restructuring, better technology, uh, and and um, looking at different markets. Now, of course, we now have the additional problem because of Brexit that we can no longer market the idea of passporting services into Europe or that we are on the doorstep of 500 million customers, uh, which we attractive to a bank. So in that respect, yes, I agree, it's going to be difficult to attract new banking players into Gibraltar. Do, do we need them? Well, I think we do. Um, we, we, I mean, only this morning I got... Um, uh, an email from Barclay Card saying that they were cutting up my card because I don't live in the United Kingdom uh, after being a customer for 30 years. Uh, but we don't seem to have alternative uh, providers for credit cards in any great uh, quantity in Gibraltar. So there is, there's a gap in the market. The question is, are we a big enough market for uh, banks to be interested in? And, and that is our problem now, um, how to make us uh, ourselves attractive to a new player. Okay, um, I've, I've got a number of questions that continue to come in, and this one comes in from Sheila, and she is asking, Mr. Clinton, um, we were talking about the stadium project that the Football Association has, um, and that is going to be financed via the Savings Bank, and Sheila is asking, what happens if the company developing that new uh, stadium, or I suppose any of the companies involved, uh, were to go bankrupt. Is Savers' money exposed? Are there any protections um, or insurances that could, um, you know, limit the damage? Well, so Joe Bolsonaro, I think, uh, said that the Savings Bank would take possession of the, the, the company that actually owned the land uh, for the Victoria Stadium. So if anything went wrong and they defaulted, I guess... Uh, what would happen is the savings bank would take possession of the land. Um, and there's a double guarantee in the sense of the savings bank is by law guaranteed by, by the government of Gibraltar. Okay, a question from Andy. Apart from doom and gloom, does the GSD have any exciting projects for Gibraltar? Well, as I said uh, before, um, you have to look at uh, how much money there is in the kitty um, I could um, dream up lots of exciting projects, but then I may not be able to deliver them. But doesn't that make your election um, campaign harder if you're not prepared to take a position on what is affordable? Well, I know exactly what is affordable. The question is, is it right to put up things in an election campaign which you know are not achievable? Um, and until I actually see the books and can actually work out how much money there is and how much leeway there is, I don't think it is uh, fair on the electorate to make them um, pie-in-the-sky promises. So what, what books are we talking about? Well, I'm talking about the books of the government. But you wouldn't see those until you were elected in? Exactly, which is why I can't make promises at this stage. You know, all I can say is that we will get back to basics, and we'll, we'll get back to back on track in terms of where we should be in terms of running our public finances, and then, as you would in a household, you then work out whether you can afford the new car or not. So you're hoping to get election uh, victory, uh, a win at the next uh, public vote, 
um, on the basis that you are going to um, be more responsible with public finances and you're going to take a, a long, hard look at what is affordable and and then make plans on that. But, but do you accept that that is a break with um, what is convention at general elections where traditionally, for better or worse, promises are made to people and people look at what promises they like and, and, and you know... And, uh, and choose at least in part on that basis. No, I agree, but I like to make promises I can keep. And uh, I've, I made a pledge in the Chronicle uh, that I would uh, make sure we have more transparency in government. And that's exactly what I intend to do. And I think um, this election will be different. I think even the government recognizes that it will be different. It's not a case of pretty pictures and lots of uh, bright new things. Uh, this government, unfortunately, seems to be obsessed with concrete and steel and seems to have lost sight of the fact that it's there to provide things for the community and services. To what extent would you say that the GSLP Liberals' um, economic plan is based on being a developer? Well, it's, it's a bit of a dichotomy because on the one hand they claim that Sergio Bossano is not a property developer and yet on the other hand he seems to be supporting projects that... Uh, are in respect of property. Uh, and the more I see of this so-called national economic plan, the, the less I like about it. Because, for example, the Rook site, uh, these containers that were brought in, they're brought in from China. So where the construction jobs in Gibraltar, all, all the money goes to China, the jobs are in China, what does that help our economy? How does that help our economy? I just don't see it. I suppose the counterpoints, I was going to say counterpoint, but counterpoints to that is that a, some of the large construction companies in Gibraltar aren't, uh, I mean, they're locally based, but a lot of their workforce are Portuguese, Spanish, and they take their um, pay packets out of Gibraltar anyway. And secondly, I mean, the, you know, Gibraltar, uh, GJBS notwithstanding, um, who, who have a lot of people who are based in the community. Uh, and secondly, um, that there are some local jobs at the Rook site because uh, those containers still need to be assembled and the envelope around it to, to make it a building still needs to be completed. So there are some jobs. Well, I'd be interested to know exactly how many. Are we talking tens, dozens, hundreds? I doubt it's in the hundreds. Um, and you talk about the, the, the entities in Gibraltar where the workers are not local. Well, at least they pay their taxes here and there will be some multiplier effect when they go out and they buy the sandwich in a local shop. But even buying containers which come pre-packed with everything inside, there is no uh, feed into the local economy. Okay, we've got a question that's coming in from James. James is asking, what measures would a GSD government, if elected, what measures would you take to enhance transparency and accountability of government spending? Well, that's uh, a very good question, very close to my heart. Uh, and the, the, the first thing would be, of course, bring up to date all the audits of all the government accounts, including the government companies, and publish those as soon as possible. Uh, we would also undertake a review of government in general uh, and uh, spending on contracts. And I would uh, want to introduce a public accounts committee. And I understand that the GSLP government uh, ref will refuse to participate in it, even in an opposition, which I find remarkable. Uh, we will, if they continue to adopt that position, we'll, we'll, we'll 
make sure that it's run anyway using independent people. You know? But at the end of the day, you know, let's be clear, um, the government's money is the people's money, and the people have a right to know exactly how every penny is spent. And that is my position. Okay, as part of the programme that you have described as back on track, the GSD says it would establish an anti-abuse law. What does that mean? Well, it means that basically um, we would make sure that um, contracts are awarded uh, correctly and fairly and transparently. You'd put in place a commissioner for standards. What would he or she do? Well, this is um, to go on top of the uh, ministerial code and the code of conduct for, for, for MPs. And this is to make sure, certainly in Parliament, that uh, the highest standards of public life are maintained. You've promised a new contracts award panel. Why is that necessary and, and who or how would you go about staffing that panel? Well, again, it's it's all based on transparency. Uh, how would you staff it? You'd uh, you'd set up a structure, and then in, in in much the same way as most things are done, you may look for independent board members that um, will deliver the the sort of uh, trust that the public would expect in such a body. We've got a question from Sebastian. Would the GSD, if elected into government, stop funding? retired government consultants and stop civil servants who now have private companies from subcontracting work in the public sector? Well, again, a good question. Um, I think, again, it goes back to the question of value for money. Are these people providing value for money? And um, uh, it depends on what services they're providing, but certainly I would intend to do a full root and branch review of all these sorts of uh, costs and contracts and see uh, which ones are necessary and which ones are not. Okay, Mr. Clinton, uh, before we wrap up, um, a slightly more pointed one for you. Um, Christopher Pitaluga, the CEO at Abacus Financial Services yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I read it yesterday, posted uh, a short opinion piece in which he, in which he said, among other things, uh, that th- the opposition is anemic and incapable of raising its game to demand better for citizens and he said that a lot of people think that they are all the same, referring to politicians. Your response to that? <laughs> yes, well, I read that on LinkedIn uh, yesterday, and I, I find it uh, uh, totally unfair, especially coming from Chris, who used to be um, an executive member of the GSD. So I find it a bit rich for him to be accusing us of being all the same when he would have been one of us, I guess. Yeah? And no, we're not all the same. I'm an accountant. I'm a chartered accountant. I take my job seriously. And I stick to my promises. So I, I completely reject the suggestion uh, that he's made. And it's very easy for him to make criticisms on LinkedIn. I like to see him stand forward and step step up to the plate and stand as an independent if he thinks it's so easy. All right. Um, and last question for Mr. Clinton. Um, in short, are you looking ahead to the general election? Are you excited? Absolutely. I can't wait for it to stop. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.